All right, turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 1, and we'll be beginning the Romans class. Of course, if you're starting these classes or before each class, you should be prayed up. You should be without distraction. You should be in a place where you can open your Bible and follow along and take notes in a notebook that's individually for this class. You have a notebook for Matthew and a notebook for Romans and a notebook for Genesis and each class that we go through have an individual notebook preferably a five subject so that when we get through with this class and you go on through your life and you read the book of Romans hundreds and hundreds of times you can add your own notes to your notebook that you used for these classes and that'll be a great blessing to you you can Keep those things over the years and look back at them and refresh your memory and your mind over and over again. The book of Romans was written in A.D. 60 or thereabouts. And I make one division in the book of Romans. You can find many different teachers who have their own classifications. A lot of people use Schofield's classifications or divisions for the book of Romans. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. I'm going to give you one division in the book of Romans and that would be Romans 1 through 6 and then a division and then Romans 7 through 16 and I would I would outline the chapters in the book of Romans like this and then I should go ahead and say that this class class number one is going to be solely about these chapter divisions I'm just going to give you an overview of what each chapter is about maybe give just a few remarks about that so you'll have a real good understanding of the idea I'm trying to get across to you and that's all this class will be about if you want to listen to it 50 times or one time that's completely and totally up to you but I think this will be some good information for you to have and I think that this chapter by chapter summary that I'm giving you is a very good outline of the book of Romans and so I would recommend to you that if you do like Schofield or if you like uh, some other division that some other Bible teacher has given you and you like that that's perfectly fine as long as it's truth but then you want to have these basic outlines of the chapters because I think it will help you to be familiar in your own mind with uh, the location of certain ideas uh, for example if you want to learn about what kind of people are in the world then a, a good brief outline of that is given in Romans chapter 1 so in Romans chapter 1 I would say that the outline for this chapter or the summary of this chapter is simply two classes of people uh, verse number 1 through 17 gives you one class of people. Verse number 18 through verse 32 gives you another class of people. And those classes of people uh, could be summed up by saying that there is the believers and there's unbelievers. Or you could say in Romans chapter 1 there is the called and there is the condemned. And so that's two classes of people. Two different ways to describe two different classes of people. But chapter number one, it's hard to deny that chapter number one is about two classes of people. Now, usually when you hear the word classes of people, you think of rich and poor, 
things like that. We're not concerned about that in this particular study. So when I say two classes of people, believers or unbelievers, and you've got the called and you have the condemned. And of course, the chapter describes the called in verse 1 through 17, and it describes the condemned in verse number 18 through 32. The people in chapter 1, verse 1 through 17, they are the called because they are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And those that are condemned, they're condemned because they don't believe. John chapter number 3, verse 16 and 17 tells you that people are condemned because they do not believe. And so verse 18 through verse 32 in Romans chapter 1 deals with the condemned. And they are condemned because they are unbelievers. Now chapter number 2 in the book of Romans, I outlined this whole chapter with two words, old man. Chapter number 2 verse 1 says, therefore thou art inexcusable, old man. And so chapter 2 is about man in general. You'll see some things that are, that's good application to a Christian when you read Romans chapter 2. He says in verse number 22, Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Well, he's talking directly to lost men who are judging other lost men. And that's the, that is the context of chapter number 2. Now you could also say that, that that applies to a Christian. And it applies to a Christian in a secondary nature because chapter 2 is not, is not targeting a Christian. So its primary application is just to man. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Man in general. And so he's talking to lost men. And chapter 2 is going to deal with convincing a lost man that he's in no position to judge because he himself is worthy of judgment. And so that's the overview of chapter number 2. And chapter number 3 is outlined this way. It's God's plan of salvation. That's a simple that's a simple outline for chapter number 3. It's a great chapter for explaining God's plan of salvation and method of salvation. And in chapter 3, you'll get plenty of information about that. Very simple information, but that's really what the gospel should be. Very simple, very easy to believe, very easy to understand, very easy uh, to be imparted, very easy to be preached. God's plan of salvation and method. And chapter number 3 is a companion to chapter number 10. And when we get into chapter number 10, we'll give some other companion chapters for that as well. We'll mention chapter 3 again, but we'll also give some other chapters that are very good companions for chapter 10. But in this case, what I want you to see is that chapter number 3 is God's plan of salvation and method for distributing that salvation God's plan and method of salvation and then chapter number four is salvation typified and explained in Abraham chapter number four is salvation typified and explained in Abraham in other words God uses the life and ministry of Abraham to explain New Testament salvation and of course as you read through the book of of Romans chapter 4, you will see those things very clearly. Chapter number 5, the results and certainty of salvation. Chapter number 5 goes into great detail about what salvation will do for you 
And it goes into good detail about how you can be certain of that salvation. When you read verses like uh, Romans 5.10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's a great verse. And that verse is all about the certainty of salvation. If you were an enemy of God and you called on him and he saved you and made you his son, then it stands to reason that whatever condition that you're in as his son, that God will continue to help you will continue to reconcile you to continue to establish you uh, in that you are his son you were his enemy and he saved you now you're his son he'll reconcile you he'll work with you he'll establish you he'll cleanse you he will work with you and guide you and all of these things People talk about salvation not being certain or maybe you're not one of the elect or maybe you've sinned a sin that made you fall out of grace and you're no longer saved. If you were his enemy and he saved you, what will he do for you as his son? So that's the great theme of chapter number five. It's the results and certainty of salvation. Romans chapter number six is a summary of salvation in view of chapter 1 through 5. And if Romans 1 through 6 is one portion of Romans, and Romans 7 through 16 is another portion of Romans, which I believe that it is, then chapter 6 is a good place to sum up the things that have been said from chapter 1 to chapter number 5. And that chapter number 6 does a good job of that. It also covers some other things, and that's a certainty, but Romans chapter 6 is a good summarizing chapter of everything that you've learned from Romans 1 to Romans 5. Now, Romans chapter 7, we've made a division between Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, and I could almost tell you that Romans chapter 7, if we were looking at it strictly from the viewpoint of being a course, a class, a Sunday school class, or a college course, or anything to that matter, discipleship program, doesn't matter to me which way you look at it, which way you see these classes, makes no difference to me at all. But if we're looking at the book of Romans in that sense, then you might say that Romans 1 through 6 is basic Romans, and Romans 7 through 16 is advanced Romans. You will get advanced material in Romans chapter 7 through Romans chapter 16. And the thing that first kicked off this idea for me was Romans 7 verse number 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. Now, you don't have to know the law to be saved except for that you need to understand that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The rules of the law was set up to prove that we're sinners. You have to understand that much. But there's many people who understand that they're a sinner because Exodus chapter 20 defines what sin is so we know we're a sinner we know we've lied we know we've cheated we know that we've committed adultery we know these things we know by the law is the knowledge of sin we found that in Romans chapter 3 but just because a person knows those few facts and knows that they're a sinner doesn't mean that they understand the law and when he says know the law He's not talking about knowing about the law or having some small similarity with the law. 
He says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. He's talking about people who have a good, solid understanding of the law. So chapter 7 is going to be dealing with some advanced ideas when compared to Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 6. So Romans chapter 7 is to them who know the law. And Romans chapter 7, once you get down to verse number 15, is an introduction to a doctrine that we uh, talk about, uh, a doctrine that we refer to as standing in state. The Christian has a standing. And before you were saved, your standing was that you were lost. And when you are saved, you are a recipient of the imputed righteousness of Christ. You are now God's son. And that is your standing, even if you are a prodigal son. You still have a father at home that's waiting for your return, willing to forgive. And just as John chapter 1, the epistle of John chapter number 1 says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He has every right to remember us as sons and to preserve us as sons because he has paid our sin debt with his own blood. The wages of sin is death and he has paid those wages. He has received those wages uh, in his own body. And so Romans chapter 7 begins a study of standing in state. When you were lost, your standing was that you were lost. When you got saved, your standing is now that you are a son of God. And then your state may be something different. Your state may be holy, unholy. It may be sanctified. It may be unsanctified. But your, stand, your standing and your state as a Christian certainly is two different things. And chapter 7 begins the study on that. Romans chapter 8 is the eternal aspect of salvation. In Romans chapter 8, you're, you're introduced to predestination. And for the sake of going through this outline, I'll just give you this uh, w one simple statement. Predestination is eternal security. And Romans chapter 8 is the introduction of that idea. Romans chapter 8 contains the eternal aspect of salvation. Romans chapter 9 deals with the relationship of faith with eternal pre preservation. Eternal preservation, eternal security is dealt with in chapter 8 and Romans chapter 9 talks about the relationship of faith with that eternal preservation. You could also say that Romans chapter 9 is a continuation of Romans chapter 8. And it will take you into a little bit different of a, a context and a little bit different of a subject, but Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 9 very much connected, very much continuation of thought. Romans chapter 10 is again talking about faith and imputed righteousness. And of course, when you get to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, those are the aspects by which God imputes righteousness to you. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you call on the Lord. There's a preacher involved, there's a message presented, there's a message believed. And so Romans chapter 10 is a companion verse of Romans chapter 3 and 4 especially. You could say Romans chapter 5. You could say Romans chapter 6. You could say Romans 1 through 16 if you wanted to. Absolutely. They're all connected. It's one book and it's, and it's written in its first written state from the pen of Paul. It was, there was no chapter markings. There was no verse markings. It was just a letter. The whole thing is connected. But now we have a very good system of chapters and verses and they're very convenient 
And for the sake of this outline, I'm just giving you the the references of chapter 3 and chapter 4. They're very good companion chapters to Romans chapter 10. Let's move on. Romans chapter 11 deals with the eternal state of Israel. Verse Chapter number 11 will clear up a lot of things for those who are involved in replacement theology or the idea that the church is a complete replacement for the Jew or for the nation of Israel. And God has many things to say in the scripture and the, the study about the eternal state of Israel and the continual statehood of Israel and the continual nationality uh, aspect of Israel is very big study in the Bible. And we, when we get to Romans chapter 11, we'll probably spend a, a good bit of time on that. Romans chapter 12 talks about dedication and ministry. Those things can really be summed up in the first few verses. Uh, Verse number two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So this chapter is everything about dedication and ministry. You'll see some things down around verse Six about having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. So you can see the ministry aspect of that chapter and some uh, some of those things will transfer down into the later part of the chapter about uh, the the effect that those things will have on other people. You're, if you're to wait on your ministering, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, then those things just show up again when he says, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things. He says, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. He says, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head the ministry is not always positive there's a lot of negativity in it be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good so chapter 12 is all about dedication personal dedication consecration uh, and that having to do with the ministry having done all to stand stand therefore that's ephesians chapter 6 if you're going to dedicate yourself what are you dedicating yourself for why did you quit smoking that's uh that's a minor topic it's it's actually a uh, not a minor topic it's a big thing if you want to live and not have lung cancer but why did you quit smoking why did you quit dressing immodestly why did you why did you sanctify christ sanctified you when you were saved and gave you imputed sanctification but you as it said in romans chapter 12 uh you presented your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable why did you present yourself that way so you could just show up to church and be a billboard no you you stand for a reason you dedicate yourself for a reason and so that uh, definitely shows up in verse number in chapter number 12 and in chapter number 13 chapter number 13 is our earthly responsibility you could say that it's a continuation from chapter 12 that has to do with dedication and ministry but this is an earthly outlook Uh, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers this verse 
this verse and this set of verses not only tells us that we're still citizens, believers, we're strangers and pilgrims, that's true. But there's also a sense that we are still citizens of the countries in which we were born or maybe we immigrated and we find ourselves in a, in a land that we're not native to, but the, the Bible still tells us that we're to be subject to higher powers for there is no power but of God. And so that we are still citizens in a great sense, even though we are Christians and that we're strangers and pilgrims. Now it also tells us, and we'll get into it as we come through chapter 13, what a legitimate government is. Uh, the Bible says that a legitimate government are not a terror to good work. So a legitimate government won't be giving people who are doing good things a hard time and letting people that are doing bad things off the hook. That's an illegitimate government. That's not a government that's ordained by God unless it's something along the lines of God letting there be a Nebuchadnezzar to chastise Israel with. Sometimes God will allow us to be placed under a uh, immoral government for our punishment and that's a sad thing to talk about but it is certainly true and it's related time and time again in the bible as i said before romans chapter 13 is definitely a continuation of chapter number 12 and its summary dedication and ministry earthly responsibility in chapter 13 and you'll see lots of things uh, that in verse in chapter number 13 that you're supposed to do as a christian but it has a civic aspect to it like for example in verse 12 the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness that's a moral thing let us put on the armor of light let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness that has a civil aspect to it because it has to do with how people that are lost will see you verse 8 oh no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law so there's there's moral aspects there but there's also civil aspects in chapter number 13 chapter number 14 is not only earthly responsibilities but chapter number 14 is brotherly responsibilities and deals with how we should treat those that are our brothers and sisters in Christ specifically him that is weak in the faith so this is a faithful person this is a believer not just somebody that you know civically in your neighborhood that might be lost or whatever the case might be him that is weak in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. There's no use in arguing with a weak person. First you strengthen them, and then as they're strengthened, and of course you'll be teaching them Bible, and you'll be praying for them, and you'll be teaching them to pray, and that will be the source of their strengthening. But once you get a person strengthened in the faith, they will learn things along the way through that, but then if there's anything that needs to be disputed, you're disputing on equal grounds and it's not bullying it's not uh, it's not force feeding it's a faithful student receiving and a faithful teacher giving and so that's very important to understand those things and those are the type of things that are being dealt with in Romans chapter 14 brotherly responsibility and then chapter 15 and 16 is a continuation of that uh, brotherly responsibility and then of course chapter 15 and 16 has various um, 
exhortations that go along with it, various final exhortations for the Romans. I would I would add that there. But it is chapter 15 and 16 is for the most part a continuation of chapter 14, brotherly responsibilities. Uh, verse number uh, 2 of chapter 15, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. And later on he says uh, in verse number, uh, verse number 20, yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they uh, that have not heard shall understand. Verse number, verse number 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be de- delivered from them. Uh, that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. So you can see a, a, a buffet of different topics and ideas that are being presented. Chapter number 16 starts off, uh, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, that you receive her in the Lord as become of the saints. And so greet Priscilla and Achilla, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. So you, you see Paul asking that for these people that have helped him, them, that have helped him, pardon me. So you should also know that people that have helped you and people that are helping your pastor should also be given this same respect. And we'll learn these things and talk about these things when we get there to chapter 16, of course. But I'm just pointing out to you in this class the separations of the chapters and to show you that chapters number 14, 15, and 16 are talking about brotherly responsibility, but there is a quite a collection of different uh, various, I should say, final exhortations as he's closing out this book. Salute one another with a holy kiss. I'll leave that to your discretion about how to fulfill that verse. The churches of Christ salute you. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. So negative things and positive things as well. So that's, I believe that is a very good outline of the book itself divided into two portions, 1 through 6 and 7 through 16, and a, a good topical summary of each verse, or excuse me, each chapter 1 through 16, chapters 1 through 16. And from that point, we'll go through and we'll try to teach each book, or excuse me, each chapter in this book according to those guidelines. There's many other topics, many other subjects that we'll touch, but these are the main themes. These are the main themes that we'll see in this class as we go through the book of Romans. And so just be looking at that. Uh, from time to time, maybe if you're expecting us to get into chapter 3 in the next class, suppose you just finished the class and you suppose that we're going to be in chapter 3 the next time, then you can go back and look at this outline and kind of see what we're going to be talking about the next week and for the next class or for the next chapter. And so you'll get a pretty good idea of where we're going since I've given you this outline uh, as we go from chapter to chapter. All right. God bless you. Again, be prayed up when you're taking these classes and be very attentive. It's not like a classroom setting. We are going to have classes uh, probably once a month, but the majority of the classes are going to be
here online on our sermon audio page. And so be watching for the new classes to come out. Be prayed up. Try not to have the TV on while you're listening to the class. A lot of things that will help you just focus in on these things. There will be relatively short classes somewhere in the neighborhood, 15 to 30 minutes. And so it shouldn't be too hard for you to get through these classes a little bit at a time. God bless you and we'll see you in the next class.